0: Episode 264, Cloak & Dagger, Season 1, Episode 8, Ghost Stories.
1: Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place.
0: Hello and welcome to Welcome to Level 7. And uh, this is a podcast where we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that means right now we're talking about Cloak and Dagger from Freeform. And, well, the last seven episodes we've had a great time talking about it. It's been really, really good. And so we're going to decide today, is episode 8 also really, really good? Well, who's here to help me decide that? It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Agent Samantha. Hello. And Agent Stewart. Hello. And uh, if there are some audio issues, that is because uh, every once in a while, when you podcast, you podcast in weird places. And I'm not necessarily going to say the weird place that you're podcasting from, Stewart, but it's a weird place. You should
2: (laughs) not call Superior Wisconsin weird. That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) I wasn't calling Superior the weird place. I was calling the place that you're in in superior the weird place hey 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 we've all done it i've done it i've done it we've done buried the lead far enough
2: okay fine. <laughs> if you hear a little bit of echo that means i'm in a hotel room in the bathroom so
0: <laughs> all right so anyway we are, are doing whatever we can to make this work and yeah so we are going to uh just go ahead and, and do this episode please forgive Please forgive if there's if there's some audio issues. So, yeah, let's let's jump into this. But this you know what? Oh, what?
3: We're all all three of us are here recording tonight. Yay. That's Yay. true. That's also
0: odd. That's also odd. Um, we're here to talk about Marvel's cloak and dagger on Freeform. form. Uh, this is episode eight. There are there is there were some Marvel Cinematic Universe news items that have come up between episode seven and episode eight and uh, we're not going to talk about those in this episode um well we're going to hold off on that um i have some very strong feelings about some of the stuff that was going on and uh, for those of you who are listening removed from the real timeness of the release of this episode um this is right after san diego comic-con and so just all the stuff that was happening with uh uh james gunn and and different people. It. it's it's recent and it's news it is something i think maybe we need to talk about maybe we need to address but right now i just i just don't want to right now so that's that's the direction i'm steering this ship in and we uh, we'll we'll come back to it i i think maybe a, as things develop um we'll we'll see how things develop with with that but um so that said uh let's talk about this episode ghost stories So here's what we get. There there are a bunch of flashbacks in this episode. And we start with a flashback uh, to both Tandy and to uh, Tyrone the day that the people died in their life. Tyrone's brother, Tandy's father. And Tandy is practicing ballet and getting advice from her father, which is – there's – There's some, I think there's some good truthiness to it. He's, he's telling her life is full of distractions and you need to overcome them. And he says, even if someone else falls down, you have to hold up. And then Tyrone is talking to his brother and his brother is saying, you know, you, you could be better than me. You could be bigger and stronger and braver than me. Um, And they're having that conversation about, you know, that, that it looks like it might be the first time Tyrone's thought about this, but every child has thought about this where they're, you know, will I ever be as old as you are? Well, yeah, you'll be my age, but you'll never be as old as I am. I'll always be older than you, you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's our cold open um, right now. The the title, I guess, doesn't really have too much uh, meaning to the scene other than we are seeing more scenes of life uh, before the accident. And, and we get to see Tandy and Tyrone interact with their their loved ones. And play thumb more and play some war
3: ok, when you have small hands, you have to cheat in order to win at thumb war. It, it, I, I may have some experience in this area. You have to
1: I,
0: Yes, yes. And when you have big hands, you can't lose. I mean, that's just the way it is.
3: <laughs> well, for those of you out there with small hands, you have to cheat in order to win at thumb war. <laughs>
0: There's the rhyme of thumb war, where it's what you know one, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. Boom, uh-huh. You go into it. Um, my kids they they do like extra verses to it, like it's just this kind of what like, go, get on <laughs> with it, man. You know, it's like <laughs> one, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war, five, six, seven, eight, I will crush you to your fate. Like it doesn't even make any sense. I will crush you to your fate. What? So let's move on into act one here. Once again, we're kind of following our three main characters, really, O'Reilly is, uh, a main character in this series. She, she gets her own plot lines. She, you know, in episodes where we have the things going on for Tyrone and Tandy separately, there's almost always a third through line and that belongs to, uh, Bridget O'Reilly. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, our post credit is actually going to be, uh, to talk a little bit about O'Reilly, uh, because we're going to talk about some sp- Possible spoilers for season two and our post-credit, uh, based on things that have been revealed from San Diego Comic Con, and also things that have been um, noticed by a listener, and also something that I found out from an interview with uh, with one of the, the showrunners. Um, so there's there's some possibilities for season season two uh, spoilers that are based on the comics and based on what we've seen that we may not have known what we were seeing. So that's why we're not going to talk about it here. And now, but O'Reilly has passed the psych exam after shooting Dwayne. And now she is absolutely dead set on taking down Connors.
2: Overall, I really like O'Reilly. Every time she comes on the screen, I I think, oh, good. We're going to get more of her and more what she's doing and how she's interacting. And um, she's got a very interesting look. Uh, She's very seems very personable i really like what they're doing with her
0: meanwhile tandy visits hess sees a guy walking down the hall gets a little bit nervous walks into the room and has the experience that i had um did i i think i might have told you guys about the experience i had going and visiting my grandpa in the hospital where i went into the hospital (laughs) they told me what room he was in i went to his room and it was empty And like he wasn't doing well. That's why he was brought into the hospital and the room was empty. Uh, Well, he was just getting some tests done and then they, they wheeled him in, but it scared me. Like I'd seen that scene in movies before and this is what you get here. But for her, she just turns around and Hey, there's Hess. There's uh, Ivan, right? Yes. Yeah. There's Ivan. And they talk about her dad. They talk about what they were doing. They talk about the energy they were drilling for is ancient, special, and toxic to humans. So there's three three uh, talking points there, I guess. Uh, yeah. And so he doesn't want his daughter to get in trouble, but he says Roxanne can be dangerous and petty. And so he's going to tell her uh, that Nathan sent a memo and it's in a safe deposit box. So she goes, talks to her mom. Mom's cleaned up, not drinking. They have a memorial tradition that they're going to do. Mom finds the key to the safe deposit box. There's also some other memories that they talk about, which I guess again, kind of the title ghost stories. Um these are stories about people who have, have passed on um before them. And uh yeah, they this is this is good because now she not only has the key to the box, but also has the knowledge of where the bank is that the safe deposit box is in. So that's tandy in act one.
3: Good setup to the episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so okay.
3: far. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um And I, this is also where you get a little bit of talk about uh, Tyrone uh, Tandy's father uh, with with Hess, and he's, you know, your your dad, good guy, right? So that's that's good. Uh, All right. So Tyrone, meanwhile, his this is interesting. The way they shot this, um, they they go to this shot twice where the family is sitting at a table in like the kitchen area, and kind of out of focus, but in the forefront of the shot is Billy's picture and it's in the living room, you know, kind of on a, um, like a coffee table or something like that. And so they go to that shot twice, but it's just kind of, again, ghost stories is our thing that, you know, Billy is kind of out of focus and seeming to hover near them, especially the way that the camera is moving. Cause you have that kind of handheld moving camera feel and, Maybe you have that feel because it's someone shooting with a handheld camera that's moving, but um, it's it's the picture because of uh, how close the picture is to the camera seems to be moving more in the frame than what the camera is focusing on, which is the family. And so it's it's just some really really good filmmaking here as they're you know kind of giving the idea of Billy as as a ghost.
2: I I agree with all of that. I I kind of felt hit over the head with it. Oh, by the way, don't forget this is Billy. Oh, Billy's there. Hey, don't forget. So, but maybe that was just me and watching it, but I agree. I really liked, I mean, the cinematography in the show, especially, you know, it, all the episodes have just been wonderful. So it, if this is the only problem I have, I'm I'm sure it's just me.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if if I would say it's just you, but I also wouldn't say that it's hitting – I don't feel like it's hitting me over the head. Uh, I feel like it's a stylistic choice here because of the title. And then – I mean I didn't know it here at this point, but then what happens later on where literally Tyrone is pretending to be a ghost – well, pretending to be his brother as a ghost.
2: Well, but then also they're examining – I mean this is the most – well, not the most screen time, but they're examining – his connection to his brother. They're examining her connection to his, her father and, and and then the connections between the two of them. So they're, they're talking about those two people pretty intensely. And as well as the last episode too, but it's not like he's not a part of the show, I guess is what I'm saying. It's an earned moment and it works.
0: Yeah. But you know, who's not talking about Tyrone's brother.
3: Yeah. Tyrone's family, Yeah, which is funny because Tyrone is supposed to, between Tyrone and Tandy, Tyrone's supposed to be the one that's too honest, and she is a lying liar who lies. Yeah. But if you watch this episode, they utilize not those things in order to accomplish what they want to accomplish.
0: Although there's still some lying, lying, well, no, she's there more is. of a thieving thief who thieves yes. uh, in in this one um but it's it's just interesting he wants to talk about things uh the the phrase that i really uh, liked that that i mean tandy used it but it's is is something he could have said uh, you know today is today for me too you know and so they're they're just seeming to act like they forgot what day it was and you know then tyrone's saying or tyrone's dad is saying he's going to invite over the red hawks And, you know, it's just it feels like Tyrone is just going through this day wondering, is anyone going to acknowledge this anniversary of probably the key moment in my life? that I'll never, ever be be able to forget, you know, that there's my life before that moment and my life after that moment. And his life is defined by that moment, at least at this point, even though he has a moment in his life where he found out he had superpowers the key defining moment for him in his life is, is that moment eight years ago.
2: Do you think this is something that, ha- that that has happened eight times now? Or do you think, like, after the fourth year, they just kind of forgot?
3: I think this stopped? happens every year.
2: This happens every year that they I refuse so. to acknowledge it.
3: Yeah. Or maybe it, it, it. they tried to talk about it, like, the first or second year, and it turned into a really big argument, so they decided not to talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that where it I, I wonder if maybe four years in a row or something, you know, where they're they'll do something to commemorate it. But then it's just so hard to commemorate something like that. And and to, until they get to this year where, again, it's just we're not going to talk about it. They They talk more about Billy on the other days, you know, like. They yeah. they have conversations about him. It's really interesting this dynamic here, uh, and I wonder how true that is to families who have gone through this kind of thing, where they're able to talk about Billy with Tyrone on days where he's not. It's not the anniversary, but on this day, you know, this seems like it'd be the hardest day to talk about it because it's 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 the anniversary of that. And I I have not gone through a great tragedy like that, so I don't know um, how that is. In, in fact. Uh, watching a show like this is, is actually one of those things where we watch fiction to understand other people's reality. And, and this is, this is one of those times where, um, you can kind of see and, and try and see, understand other people, you know, who I do know people who have gone through tragedy who just don't want to talk about it. Um, or if they do, it is very difficult to talk about it. And, and again, the fiction brings you in, draws you in and, you know, fiction allows us to create empathy for people when done well yes so then we get another flashback to the day uh we we get a flashback to uh tandy wandering around the streets and stealing a phone so she can call home like she's that that moment has transformed her already into a a thieving thief who thieves Um, oh you mean
3: young tandy young tandy
0: yeah yes Young Tandy so, steals a phone from a random person's purse. It's a touchscreen, but it's old, so it must not have you know the uh, the security the lock Yeah, the lockout.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. Although, well, you can make emergency phone calls. Like for my iPhone, uh, if someone didn't have my my thumbprint, I guess uh, they would be able to make a, an emergency phone call. So if, if I was in an accident where both my thumbs were crushed, um, they could still right, but call nine one one. Right, right. That's the she only. Called-
2: the house. <laughs> yeah. She called home. So do you think that was the first time she stole something?
0: I don't think it's the first time she stole cuz little kids do that, you know. I mean, she, I'm sure she's stolen cookies before, you know, when she wasn't supposed to get in the cookie jar or something like that. You know, stole mom's lipstick and hid it in her room so she could put it on when she wants to feel pretty or something. But um in this case, I think it's probably the first big ticket item that she ever stole.
2: Maybe. I mean, one of the things we find out in this episode and we kind of already knew it to begin with was that um, her glass menagerie had some flaws in it. Her perfect world was not so perfect. Um, And so I wouldn't be surprised if she maybe not was super accustomed to stealing things, but had maybe done it once or twice before. And so, I mean, like, If I'm in that situation, the first thing I'm doing is looking for some sort of phone. I'm not necessarily looking in someone's purse for that phone. So, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in that situation. I didn't just see my father die and then get teleported away by a kid in a sweatshirt.
0: But here's the thing. We forgot actually um, to talk about Tandy visiting Tyrone's house. And, oh, yeah. Because that's where mm. the line comes from, where he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, you know, today is a day for me, too. You know, and and she – um this is the most – you know, get the parents to talk about things at this moment where uh they say, you know, Tandy's father died the same day that Billy died. And she doesn't lie the, to them at this point. You, this, you're right here, Samantha. You know, she doesn't lie to them. Uh, she's not the lying liar. She's the thieving thief who um, asks them if they're doing anything, you know, and, and – does that and then uh, has her agenda, which is to steal Tyrone's mother's I.D. to get into Roxon.
3: Which is interestingly, she uses the truth to deceive to you as a part of her deception, because what she's really there at Tyrone's house for is for um, his mother's I.D.,
0: Yeah. Well, if there's one thing you're going to learn from listening to this podcast, it's how to lie. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The best lies work because they have a lot of truth to them. Yes. And that's how you deceive someone is by putting enough truth that they believe you. And, you know, even if what you're doing is an outright lie, if you've told people truth enough that they trust you, you know, that that trust comes from truth. and yeah, so you've just now received your lesson on how to be a lying liar who lies. And I'm sure you're glad you listened to Welcome to Level 7 to find that out. <laughs> or or not. But, <laughs> yeah.
2: So so where did she steal that from? Because I must have blinked or looked away or something. Because when when she – I remember her, like, going into the house and, and seeing people and then, like – the next shot, she's looking at it in the parking lot. Where did she steal that? From?
0: It is absolutely a blink if, and you'll miss it moment. Yes. Okay. She leans over uh and and pulls it out of the mom's purse. Oh.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: It's it's quick and you almost don't see what's happening and that's the point is you know she's doing her job well being right. that thieving thief who thieves.
2: And again, it's something that's, again, one of the the shining moments of cinematography and direction that the show provides is that there are moments like that sprinkled throughout this entire series that if you blink and you miss them, if you're on your phone playing Angry Birds and you miss it, you're not going to get as much out of it.
0: Yeah, you're going to knock down some towers, but you're not going to hear. Yeah, you're not going to see the the thing on. the Yeah.
2: I mean, you're going to steal some pigs. Let's let's be honest.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those shows that you do want to be, you know, paying attention to, and, actively
2: actively yeah. viewing.
0: Active, yeah. It encourages active viewing. Uh, all right. So, Act Two. The the Red Hawks come over and they tease Tyrone and his father about the furniture and the house.
3: Um, can I just step in here for a moment? Yeah. A few episodes ago, I thought that this group w- w- was called mummers, this type of group in New Orleans, and I'm wrong. They're just called a crew, which is spelled K R E W uh, E, but it's very similar to mummers, um, and they have a similar history. But it's they're called something else because they're in New Orleans. Okay. So I apologize to all the 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 people in New Orleans who are involved in those uh, these sorts of groups. Yeah. So at
0: first I wondered, like, why are these guys coming over and they're bringing over all their stuff, all the clothing and beading and stuff that they're going to do. They're bringing it all over. And it's kind of nice. It's actually good for Tyrone's father. And I almost get the impression that they're coming over because they they know what day it is. They're coming over for him. You know, they've never been in his house ever, but now they're coming. It's the anniversary let's let's go over there and so there it it brings energy to the house it brings happiness to the house it brings distraction to the house and it also brings a big cloak to the house so but
2: does it bring a dagger
0: to the house no no because i thought
2: those two things had to be like in the same at the same
3: time cloak and dagger well maybe they figured out that they need to work together well, they they did okay without without each other in this
0: episode. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's possible one of the guys has a dagger. I don't know in his boot or something. I don't
3: know. Yeah, it's, uh, where, where do you hide true. a dagger? I
0: don't know, but because
3: I keep mine in my purse.
0: Your your dagger, yeah.
3: Well, actually, it's one of those like Swiss Army knives. Oh
0: well, yeah. Again, yeah, daggers—they're bigger. You know, it's not quite machete size. You know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's it's not just knife size. So. um Anyway, uh, this is where we also get Tyrone's dad actually showing some emotion, and he's he's broken up. He's remembering Billy. Um, he's looking at the cloak because that cloak was Billy's. And yeah, that's it's a. I think it's a good moment. It's a nice moment story story wise, but it's good to see that. Like I was, I was feeling I bad that. for <laughs> Tyrone. Like oh, his parents don't have any emotion about this, but.
2: Is it later when Tyrone walks in on dad holding the cloak?
0: That's this,
3: yeah, that's at this point right now. That's the scene. Yeah. Plus that's, that's an awesome cloak. It's a great
2: cloak. I feel bad for Tyrone because Tyrone needs to, needs to talk to his parents about this. Tyrone needs to get, I mean, it's hard enough that Tyrone is having to deal with all of the pain, plus being a teenager, plus, Girls, plus having this ability to like vanish at will or whatever, much less having his parents be distant from him because they are feeling the same grief too, so he needs to he needs to be able to express some stuff to some parents, and I would have thought his dad would have been and maybe on a different day his dad would, yeah, but that scene when when he walks in and his dad's holding the cloak and you almost get the impression that I forget what he says, but his dad's was like, I need some alone time. And Tyrone's like, I need some dad time. Yeah. You're, no, you're my dad. You need to be here for me too. You know, and I felt bad for Tyrone in that instant. I felt bad for the dad too, but Tyrone, I mean, the look of heartbreak on that kid's face was just amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have to say uh, the, the actor and actress playing Tyrone and Tandy in this show they're fantastic. I don't know how old they are. And oh, I know yeah. a lot of times when you cast, you, when you cast teenagers, you cast older, you try and find young looking, you know, young adults, uh, so that they don't grow out of the role as quickly as a teenager might grow out of the role. Uh, and, and so that's why we get Andrew Garfield as, as Peter Parker and, uh, for all the good that he did in that role, high school student, not so much, but, then you have uh Tom Holland who is he's in his 20s. Yeah, I think he's like 21, 22. And he fits it perfectly. I mean they they cast the kid who can do the acrobatics and do the acting and retain the youthful look for a few years. So they they, they got and and my my daughters love him. They love him a lot. So
2: Well, Olivia Holt is who plays Tandy is um uh 21. Okay. She was born in 1997. So she's she's, al- about,
3: she's almost 21.
2: Yeah, August. August yeah.
3: Um Jose, oh, yeah, Aubrey t- Joseph who plays Tyrone, I don't have a birth date for him yet. I can look it up.
2: But you're right. I mean, one of the reasons they they this isn't from the story. One of the reasons they went with um uh, Michael J. Fox rather than Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future is Michael J. Fox looked more like a teenager mm. and was closer to it.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz?
2: I would love to see that test footage. It's out there.
0: It's out there. Instead, well, we get, we get the exists. fly too with him.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. It exists. <laughs> I don't think it's out there though.
0: I think some of it is out there on like a Blu-ray release or something. I yeah. I do think there is some ways you can watch it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about, you know, him needing that time with dad and, and you're right. But I think then he's able to apply that energy to his new plan, which we're, we'll get to in a moment.
2: Which you could, you could argue that. And I don't think it's a good argument, but you could make the argument that he Had his dad and his mom, A, believed him that there was a, you know, it was a bad cop, not a rogue gang shooting, and B, talked to him about it, he may not need the revenge for his, for, he may not need to take down Connor. You know what I mean? If he was able to express some of that emotion, he could maybe have worked some of it out and then not been so vengeful after Connor. That being said, he didn't know, you know. Maybe not, because he did see Connor shoot him
1: or something.
0: but yeah, i I don't think I don't think so, because this is the one day he really, really needs emotional support from his parents that he's not getting it. But the next day, you know, let's say that today's monday and 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 so then on Tuesday, I think they might be more willing to talk about things with him. It's just they can't for some reason, they can't face it on this particular day, the eight year anniversary. Uh, okay. So, so meanwhile, um, Oh, go
2: ahead. Uh,
3: oh, uh, Aubrey Joseph, who plays Tyrone, he is 19. He will be 20 in November of this year. Okay.
2: Yeah. So yeah, they're, I mean, they're really close to the ages that they're supposed to be. Cause I think they're supposed to be both teenage or er,
3: seniors in high school. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they're about 17 or 18. So not yeah. far off.
0: Yeah, they are both seniors. So, um, well, he's a senior. She's she's dropped out. Yeah. So oh, she, yeah, she yeah. I guess I guess can't really call her a senior anymore. But um, yeah. yeah. So
3: she can still go back to community college and get um, some sort of degree. So it's I not hope too late.
2: she does. Her it's GED it. is important.
3: She's well. I mean, I know somebody who has a GED, and then he because he dropped out of high school went. Uh, then he got his GED, and now he's working on his master's degree. I mean.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't it, know. It's just I don't because know. you
3: dropped out of high school does not mean it's the end of your education. After That's the true. end of
0: this episode, I don't know if she's going to really care about getting her GED. I mean, <laughs> it's not like she's wanting a job at this point. I mean, we'll see what happens with that whole situation, but she's got an influx of cash coming her way that she may not mm. need to work for a little while. And uh,
3: yeah, it only last a year or two. Come on.
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll see if she even gets it. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So, um, yeah, so O'Reilly comes to the door to warn Tyrone that Connors is coming after him. See, Connors has a sketch that's been made of the kid who ran away from him and disappeared. And the sketch looks just like Tyrone, uh, ironically, considering it's Tyrone. But... Uh,
2: <laughs> she, I, I, I was sitting there watching that uh, watching that scene, and I'm wondering... Who kept that? Because you know how stuff disappears from from sets. If I was Tyrone, I would have kept that. If I was Aubrey Joseph, I would have figured out how to keep that piece of paper.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, It's it's a really good likeness. Like a really, really good likeness. Like someone was looking at him when they drew that. I... I, I kind of wish they maybe would have had it look not so quite so perfect, but it needed to look just like him. And it's a plot point. I mean, this is Chekhov's sketch. I mean, it, this, this has payoff later on, not that exact piece of paper, but the, the sketch artist sketch in general mm-hmm. has, has a payoff later on. It's a good, payoff. I mean,
2: it's, it's, it's definitely a moment and it's worth noting and it looks really good. So, yeah.
0: So, they realize that Connor probably remembers that this is the anniversary. And Tyrone says he's going to make sure he never forgets. And then we get a flashback to a woman telling a ghost story in New Orleans. And she actually says, You know, don't, you don't need to be afraid of ghosts. They're about justice, they're not about abject fear. And so then we get a song playing called Welcome to My Dark Side. And we see Tandy getting ready she's looking at plans and papers and floor plans and stuff and memos and and we see that uh tyrone is also getting ready he's preparing something that looks like i don't know holes in a shirt and ketchup uh, i don't know why he'd be doing that but uh yeah he's he's putting holes in the shirt and spreading uh ketchupy substance on the shirt
3: i think that was probably red acrylic paint
0: i i i In my mind, I like it better that it's ketchup.
3: Ketchup? Okay, it was in like a ketchup bottle, but ketchup... it's just just bad just can you
0: imagine him showing up to connor's and he's like i'm the guy you killed and connor's is like why do you smell like ketchup dude and the guy's just because i spilled some on my pants but uh, this is blood this is blood right here i was at burger king and you know when they put too much ketchup on it squirts out the back of the burger as you're eating that's what happened but this here this is the real stuff that yeah Maybe not. So, what happened was he uh, he took the ketchup bottle,
2: he started to shake it out and put it on the top of the building, and then ran down the building so that it could drop and catch <laughs> in his hot dog.
0: Yes. Yes. He ran out of the building, put his shirt out so they could <laughs> land on. Yeah. So, so we find out, uh, well, we, we see the plans being made, and we find out what the plans are. In Act Three, and he goes to O'Reilly. Did this surprise you? He goes to O'Reilly. He says, "I want to haunt Connors." And O'Reilly and and Fuchs are like, "No way, you're too young." He's like, "I'm fast. You're not fast enough. Ooh, watch this!" And he puts on the cloak and he prepares to show them. And I love the fact that they have to that they they set up his power to be something that uses you know something like a cloak, like he covers himself up and uncovers. And then he he kind of that's how he can do it It's kind of how he can focus himself on transporting in the moment he'll transport without thinking about it, but when he has to think about it, he uses the cloak. I love this, and this is m c u comic accurate I mean the this looks like the comic book tablecloth that cloak wore for decades. In the comics, it it looks fantastic. It's it's very very good, very simple, very clean, and I I love the way they've MCU'd him. I love it. But
3: the it. origin of this cloak is so much better than in the comic book. It's so much better.
0: <laughs> like it'd be hard not to be. Like I, I I mean I guess it could be worse if he just found I don't know uh, a giant glad bag with uh drawstring <laughs> handles on, the, on the street and decided to use that as his cloak. That'd be worse than the comic origin. Um, I, I just, I could not, when I got to that point in the comic book, I love those comics, but that point in the comic, <laughs> I'm just like, wait, re, re, what re, that, did I just read that? Re-? Yeah. Oh, I did.
3: I, I did. <laughs> It, um. Yeah, but this is so much more meaningful. Oh, 100%, and it's not just yes. because the it's, yes. it's not just because the cloak has beads on it. I mean, this is this is his brother's cloak.
0: Exactly. No, it yeah. it, has, it has meaning. It's it's important. It's yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, more meaningful.
2: It's it's very uh, writerly too. I mean, yeah. it,
0: it, they're using
2: every bit of it. You forgot to mention one little connection. What's that? In the scene with. Um, the lady telling the ghost stories that is, um, and when, when baby little, little baby Tyrone walks up and and sees her and she goes, honey, where's your mama?" And he runs away. That is his girlfriend, not girlfriend's voodoo aunt.
0: Oh, it's auntie. Oh, that's right. It's auntie. Yeah. I did not notice that.
2: I, I don't know if that is going to come back later, but you know how she has that sculpture, that 3d printed sculpture of him. Uh I wonder if like those two bits of information are going to get connected somehow.
0: Yeah. I wonder if she's going to remember or if she's even, if she's even aware of it.
3: I've Mm. been a tour guide before. I think I, I don't recall. It's hard for me to remember individual, um, Taurus, right. unless they've done right. something really weird.
2: So yes, if it were just normal, then I, I, then I could, I could totally understand what you're saying. But this is an MCU show one. This is a TV show two. This <laughs> is a scripted thing three. Plus, you magic, have supernatural element, yes. magic. Yeah. So. She'll I, I kind of feel like she's gonna have to have some sort of connection to it now. Whether she re- whether she re- remembers it being Tyrone, that's that's maybe up in the air. But the fact that she's gonna remember one day I saw this little kid and he had some dark magic about him, like that's gonna be a thing.
0: If she remembers, I would say it's because it's Tyrone. I I think that that's why she remembers is, and and that the the I don't know whatever the touch of magic. That she sensed then that might be something that she, you know, when she senses it with him now, she remembers. I, f- I had that feeling before I sense something, a presence I haven't felt but. since.
3: <laughs> <sighs>
0: um, you strike me down. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I got a question for you about the flashback that we jumped to out of this. Um, although I I do have to say one last thing about auntie that gives a lot more meaning to the fact that she gave him the idea, his, his memory of that moment kind of gave him the idea to do what he's going to do in this episode.
2: Yeah.
0: I, that if she remembers, especially, but yeah. Uh, Okay. So Tandy's flashback is she is in the sweatshirt still and goes into the house Picks up the little thing, picks up the key, enters the house, and who's on the couch in the living room? Mom. <sighs> and mom is unconscious. And so I couldn't tell. Is, she, is, is this the kind of thing where she has done some sort of overdose because she thinks she's lost her, her daughter and her husband? Or is this a Roxanne hit?
3: Hmm. Good question.
0: Now, I couldn't mm. see anything around there, and I, I only watched this episode once, but when it was happening, I was kind of trying to pay attention to see, you know, is there a bottle of pills nearby or something? I, I didn't see that.
2: There, I thought I saw a bottle of pills and some booze.
0: Okay. So yeah, based on it,
2: what her dad said too, her dad, like in the very first episode, her dad was like, well, you know, mommy needs to take her medicine. And then kind of smirked about it, right? And was uh, and gave the impression that medicine meant more than just aspirin.
0: And when the men were there, there she was absolutely um, medicating herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, okay, all right. Because the, the reason my mind went to Roxanne as a as a hit, even if there were pills there, uh, it could have been a Roxanne thing. But that's just because of the whole, you know, Roxanne is, is heartless kind of thing.
2: Oh, I, m- my pill thing does not negate your on assassination
0: no. plot.
3: Yeah, plus it would not fact, be out I of, been... it would not be out of uh, Melissa, um, Tandy's mother's character to want to go into a drug-induced coma um, following the news that her husband and daughter are missing following an explosion um, in this area, so.
2: I, I. I might go into a drug-induced stupor if if, if I was in her shoes. Yeah, Which, I mean, <laughs> just to get out of them. Uh, that's yeah, not to get out
0: of the moment. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's not a, that's not an unreasonable thing to have happened. Neither is Roxon putting the hit out on her
0: um, because Roxon's heartless. Yeah. So then the powers come out. So we end Act Three with cloak and dagger. Doing superhero power stuff. I wouldn't say necessarily doing superhero stuff, especially when you're looking at Tandy, but they're doing superhero power stuff. So Tandy breaks into Roxanne. She cuts up the walls with her dagger. She pulls She turns off the power with her dagger. She puts the dagger to the dude's throat that she wants to target for this moment. And. Yeah, there is her using her powers to basically storm the castle. Meanwhile, more exciting and more interesting to me anyway, Tyrone acts like a ghost and he is, he, uh, he uses both sides of his power. The, the fear side as well. He touches Connors and you get to see that moment again when it happened with the, um, the shooting of Billy. Um, he takes, he takes Connors gun and, and Connors looks for it and it's not there as he's, you know, kind of poofing around him and then he puts it back you know and and then he whispers you killed me you know and, and so he's doing all these things basically gaslighting him uh you know he's he's just tricking him into believing that there is a ghost right now uh so that is act three
2: tyrone's ghosting reminds me of a
0: story what's that
2: the telltale heart have you guys ever read any of it
0: uh, you know, yeah. I, I I might have read the abridged edition or something.
2: It's a short story.
0: <laughs> I love that moment. I that
2: was love a great that great moment. moment. Yes, and I think it added character to O'Reilly and Fuchs.
3: Oh, totally. Fuchs. Fuchs.
0: Fuchs. 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 Fuchs yeah.
2: That's such a why name your. So oh,
0: that's a weird
3: Be- character.
0: There is
2: a name. pun involved. We will talk about that,
3: this character later. Okay.
0: Oh my no, goodness! I'm sure we will. Oh but, my goodness! But, will we talk about that? There is so oh, much to talk about, about that.
3: Character. Not just. But anyway, well, yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, <laughs> that. Whoa, that reminds me, though. We actually get a name drop for Misty. <gasps> yes. A name yes. drop. I don't understand why it was Misty that gets the name drop because, or, 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 is she, yeah, Okay. But she's like, I've seen weird things before, you know, this cloak thing. Uh, I've seen weird things before. And yeah, let me tell you about my friend Misty. <laughs> I'm just thinking, well, wait a minute. Like you've seen on the TV, right? You, you've seen the Hulk on TV. <laughs> yeah, <and
2: right. laughs> remember when the sky opened up? Yeah, Remember there was New an York? alien
0: invasion <laughs> in New York? Like, um, twice. actually
3: misty's not the only one who's referenced um in this episode she's the only one who's named but there's a very subtle reference later but i will point that out
0: please do because i i missed it so yeah um, yeah I, mean, I caught the misty I, one yeah well the misty oh, one was pretty easy to catch because yeah she the says
3: other one, hey, hey let me tell really you about my friend
0: misty who's <laughs> over in luke cage <laughs> on netflix I mean,
2: her name is her last name is Knight.
0: Yeah, and and uh, and Tyrone's like, well, oh, why why are you talking about Netflix right now? Which, yeah, that's interesting to think about. Like in their, in the MCU, they have Netflix, but Netflix doesn't have any of the Marvel shows on it. I mean, it has Stranger Things, but yeah, Agents of Shield not on Netflix. Does it,
2: did it reference Agents? Did it reference Stranger Things?
0: No, no. I mean I'm just saying that, that oh. those shows would be on there, but the you know the critically acclaimed Marvel shows aren't on Netflix in the MCU. So is Netflix in the MCU not doing as well as Netflix in our world? That's that's all I'm saying. It's those are actually made it's it's the questions you ask when you're watching science fiction, and you see this is a different world. How is it different from ours? In the in the MCU, the DCU is actually
2: doing really well.
0: Well, in the in the MCU, the DC movies have been
2: fantastic
0: and changed right. the face of pop cinema across the entire world. All right. Oh, exactly. So act four uh, <laughs> O'Reilly is talking to Connors and she's like – she gives him the sketch of the person they're looking for and it's Billy. And so this is where they really are, are kind of gaslighting Connors, which gaslighting means you're um, you're doing things and moving things around and, and telling stories and do making a reality that's not the real reality to make someone go crazy. And that's what they're doing here.
3: Which – and Don't it, do that in your relationships. Do not do that in a, no. your, your relationships unless you want that relationship to end terribly. So do not do that. So.
0: Gaslighting, anyways. <laughs> gaslighting is only good if you are trying to get a murderer to confess. Exactly. But, but generally speaking, not real. Like In, in not real situations, that's where. Um, Did you guys
2: know that Angela Lansbury's first movie was a movie called Gaslight?
0: Yes. That's where the phrase comes from. Is, it's,
2: yeah, is okay. that movie? Yeah. Fantastic movie, kids! If you have not watched this movie, go down to
3: your public library. I'm sure it's there, and borrow it for free. Sometimes it's on Turner Classic Movies.
0: Yeah, so they're 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 tricking him. Tyrone appears as cloak, and you just see like this ghostly image of him. Great, it, it looks so cool. But O'Reilly says she doesn't see anyone, and and so there's chase, shooting. Um, but Tyrone says, I ain't never going to let you be until you admit what you did. And, um, the uncle gets mentioned again and, but they do get a confession from Connors and he, he, uh, I I don't know when you trick someone by pretending to be the ghost of a victim, does that confession hold up in court?
2: Uh, Yeah, it was sadly, I've seen too many court procedurals. To sit, I was sitting there going, "I don't think this is gonna work,
3: guys."
2: <laughs> I don't, um, but know. I do appreciate. With, uh, oh, did like realistically, would
3: that hold up in court? Realistically, did
2: he actually say, "I murdered Billy so and so"?
3: he think did. He, say, he said, "I murdered you."
0: Yeah, he said, "I shot you." I shot you, and so.
3: But he thinks he's talking to Billy,
0: right?
2: It almost feels like entrapment.
0: No, it totally is entrapment.
2: <laughs> Just a little bit. Right.
0: No, I mean, there's no way this is going to be admissible in court, um, especially when you have an uncle like he has, who I don't know who it is. Although, is this the time now, Samantha, where you get to talk about this? Because you've been teasing us on Facebook that you have a theory for who the uncle <sighs> Not is. Yet. Not yet. Not okay, yet. Okay, never mind. All right. All
3: right. I, we'll think, wait. His is, uh, we'll I wait.
2: think his uncle is Luke Cage.
3: Not yet.
0: <laughs> so, and no. <laughs> <laughs> so we're waiting. We're gonna wait longer. All right, cool. No problem. No problem. I, I can do it. I'm I'm a patient person. I'm a patient person. Uh so back to Tandy then. The man suggests, first of all, when she says she just wants to get her father's good name back, that Nathan didn't have a good name. And then he offers her money and he's like, What do you want? What do you want? And um Samantha this is where the line comes. She says, I want my father back you. And she doesn't say an SOB. She says, says a hole. And, but she doesn't do the Inigo Montoya where they actually, you know, she <laughs> stabbed my father yeah. Prepared
3: to die. Well, yeah. no, I
0: mean, um, this is where he's, uh, I want my father back. And he, he stabs the, the six fingered man and spoilers for princess bride. I'm, I'm sorry, but, um, <laughs> that's not the only climax that you get in the movie. So there's still some things you can look forward to if you haven't seen it yet, but, mm. um, the classic line i'm thinking why are uh, did she, did she like that movie you know is 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 princess bride on netflix in the mcu and yes so she's watching that Actually, along with on, supergirl i think it's
3: on netflix now
0: in in both yeah yeah both universes <laughs> this is this is parallel yeah. universes yeah um so i i couldn't believe they used that line uh it makes sense and emotionally that's what she would say i think but well you have someone okay yeah
2: so that that line in both instances is well written it's a well written it's a natural line yeah he's like what do you want do you want this or do you want that and the only thing she really wants throughout this entire her existence is her dad she doesn't want i mean in the last episode prove that you know she, where yeah. yeah so she doesn't want she, she wants all those things superficially, but what she really, really wants, and what you might say is a driving factor in her world,
0: is her dad. And, and what's driving her right now is to exonerate her dad. The, right. The mistake that destroyed the oil rig was not her dad's mistake. In fact, it was something he was actively trying to get them to fix. And so she thinks that she can get that information out into the public, then it will exonerate her dad, and she can't get her father back, but she can at least quote get his good name back. The guy suggests that he didn't have a good name, and that's not good for her. Uh, in my notes, actually, this is then when they they name drop Misty it is in the next scene where they're they're booking Connors. What do you think about the way she left the guy in the building, <laughs> where she chops out a support beam and leaves him with his hands tied? Did she? Did he die? No. No. Because she calls him okay. at the end of the episode.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. I I honestly thought she left him for dead.
0: I think she might have left him to die, but it didn't happen. Like yeah. she didn't. Um, she didn't do the the uh, vulture in Homecoming where just cut all the support beams all around the person and then drop the building on top of them. Um, She didn't do that. She just cut out one, everything shifted. And there was, you know, there's a foundational shift in the building, but not enough to to bring the building down. Okay. Uh, Because I, I, I think if she had
2: left him for a premeditated murder, as in, I'm going to drop this building on you, that would change her character. It's hard to describe these two characters as superheroes, but she would be further away from that description if she had dropped a building on him.
0: Yes, I don't think she premeditated it, though. I think this was walking away in anger, forcing herself not to kill the guy by just putting a knife in his chest and lashing out is what I see her doing. It's a lash out, not a, not a premeditated, I'm going to use this as a way to kill you because I thought it through.
2: What would Captain America
3: say? What would Uncle Ben say?
0: Uh, they would both say that she shouldn't do that. And uh, Captain America would just be like, hey, let's, let's work on your anger. I can teach you some breathing exercises. <laughs> I, I know a great guy who is working with people who've gone through trauma. Now, the trauma that they're going through is, is military related. But...
2: The sun's getting real low. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, so now let's get into Act 5 because this is where things get uh, controversial, I guess. Um, (laughs) So we have the ceremony that Tandy's mother does every year, and Tandy hasn't done it for a couple years, but they basically launch balloons into the air at the point on the beach where – I don't know if that's where she came up out of the water or what, but it's, it's close to where you can see the bridge and stuff Uh, light brings
2: lanterns so that Rapunzel
0: can see them from her (laughs) tower or because it's a Viking funeral, Uh, because this is not the first uh, floating lanterns to to be seen in the MCU either. But uh, they they're standing there. Tyrone comes and shares the moment with them because he's not getting a moment like that with his own family. And so the mother is standing in between them. And she takes Tandy's hand, she takes Tyrone's hand, and they're transported to Tandy's front door. They get the key, they go in the door, and they're in a theater. And there's the mother watching memories on the screen in the theater. And the question comes up, is this a fear or a memory? It's both. And so they, she uses a dagger to cut open the screen. They go behind the movie screen where there's the memory the the way it happened the memory on the screen is the way her mother remembers it and we see the scene play out where before she just brought tea and everyone's happy and this kissy kissy um but we see the scene play out in black and white where she brings the tea or coffee or whatever spills it on his paperwork that he's working on and he straight up hits her in the face
2: and not like mm-hmm. it was a first-time event either. No, no, nope. no. This was this was a thing that happens a lot.
3: Do you remember the music that was playing in this scene, the background music? I don't. It's the- Bach's box, box Cello Suite Number One, which is a favorite of one Mister Wilson Fisk.
0: Oh, really? Huh.
3: Yeah, that's the other reference I was talking, uh, I was okay. talking about.
0: Um, that's a good reference.
3: Which well done. made me think, um, could uncle be a title instead of, you know, someone's actual uh, uh, brother to my parents? And it made me wonder, is this uncle that they're talking about Wilson Fisk?
2: I would love that.
3: I know oh, he's oh. a stickler for New York City, but it, but is he beyond what? going on business trips?
0: No. Very interesting. What, is, what? How did they talk about the uncle? He just calls him his uncle.
3: Just yeah. There's there's no. Um, who calls who? who Tyrone. No, oh, Connors. Uh, Connors calls him uh, oh, an uncle, uncle, and also um, okay. the okay. rich spoiled kid who tried to rape Tandy also re- referenced an uncle who was on the uh, uh, police officers board.
2: Hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. And obviously this person is somehow connected to the drug trafficking. So it's who wow. Wilson Fisk is also involved in drug trafficking. So, I mean, what's going on here? I mean, I I know I'm connecting dots, but it's, it's not impossible dots to be connected.
0: No, it is absolutely not impossible dots, especially with the
2: inclusion of, this character who knows Misty Knight from Luke Cage. Right. Now, I haven't gotten through Luke Cage yet to know if she actually makes an appearance,
0: but I don't think she does.
2: I
3: haven't seen season two of Luke Cage yet at all, so...
0: Here's the thing, Samantha. That's very yes. interesting uh, theory that you have, and here's what makes it even more interesting, is Kingpin is a figure that looms large in the early appearances of Cloak and Dagger in the comics. <gasps> so
3: I'm very happy. <laughs> I, I'll,
0: I'll be honest. I mean, when I was reading the comics, I'm like, Oh, you know, cause you have these MCU connections in the comics of, you know, Punisher is a character that's in those early appearances. Um, Spider-Man obviously, cause they appeared in spectacular Spider-Man originally. Uh, you know, so there's, there's lots of MCU connections of the characters themselves in the, in the 616 universe. Um, but Punisher for me, I was just like, well, there's no way Punisher is going to be in here. Um, wow. How cool would that be to have this come into really interesting.
3: He would so make a cameo appearance. yeah, Cause he's Vincent D'Onofrio is just that awesome. <clears throat> he is Excuse a cool me.
0: guy. He's very cool. The, the thing that happens after this is she decides to take the money, uh, instead of, Instead of releasing all this information out to the press, she's going to take the money that the guy offered her. And whether or not she's actually going to get the money, whether or not Roxanne is actually going to let her survive, uh, or or at least not go after her, that remains to be seen. But she has made her decision for the, the the present. I'm going to take the money.
2: And but she says it after they're they're at the beach they got the hands. She sees all the everything. The mom turns to her and says, you know, you can't depend on anybody.
0: Yeah. The the actual line is when it comes down to it, we're all on our own. Right. And that's because when they come out of the memories, these I think the people that they're touching have some form of at least vague awareness of what has been seen, not necessarily that has been seen by them but they have very awareness or memory of the thing that has been seen because a lot of times th- they come away from it dazed, kind of like, Oh, I'm, why did I think about that? You know?
2: Do you think they saw so in that mom situation, do you think mom's sitting in the theater and she's watching her movie screens? And then do you think that she saw Tandy and Tyrone enter that memory slash dream slash hope?
0: It's possible, but if, I don't know if I think that if she did, it was kind of, why did I think about that memory and why did I daydream that they were there? You know, I, I think it's really more just kind of vague impressions or feelings of, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he wasn't the greatest and you know, that kind of thing. And then turning and that, that brings up the thought that the, the, the impression of the memory brings up the thought of we're all on our own. We are all on our own, Uh, which is not true. I mean, that's what this show is about. This whole episode was Tyrone fighting. against the fact that he doesn't want to be on his own. And this whole show is about the fact that Tyrone and Tandy need each other. And so uh, she's presenting something that's sending Tandy on this other trajectory to take the money. Now, are we ready to move on to the final scene? Because this is to. a big conversation that we're about to have here. I have a feeling and it's so if, if we want to talk about anything else, let's do it now because then we need to move into the last scene. All right. Okay. Let's do it then. So mm-hmm. here's what happens. O'Reilly comes home. Uh, I, don't, I, can't, I don't know if it's her place or his place or, or whatever, but um, there's, you know, we, she references pancakes, which they've been talking about throughout the episode, and she's looking around for him. She can't find him. She goes to the refrigerator, opens it up, and there he is dead and stuffed into a refrigerator. Now, it's disturbing on a level of being disturbing. That's a disturbing thing to see, to witness, to have happen. I can't believe they did this for not story reasons, but real world uh, controversy reasons. And I know, Samantha, you have some pretty strong thoughts here about this as well. At least I'm assuming from some reading that I've done in your, in your messages as we've been talking on Facebook. But, well,
3: it's just I know that this is a really, really terrible comic book trope because – the character that ends up in the fridge is typically two-dimensional two dimensional and to meaning not very well developed. And here's officer Fuchs who is not What's very well two developed. Two dimensional. <clears throat> I not, really uh, not really much of a, you know.
0: there's a big history behind this and it starts in a green lantern comic where um, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend uh, is killed, cut into pieces and put in a refrigerator. And So the phrase, the trope refrigerating a character, um, you know, she was refrigerated or whatever. It it has nothing to do with Indiana Jones in a refrigerator surviving a nuclear blast and has everything to do with killing off a character's loved one, almost exclusively women in a, a gory and, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um,
3: In a really horrific way, just to push the story forward,
0: exploitative way, yeah. And it's not just to push the story forward; it's to give the male character motivation to to do something and to act, and usually out of out of anger, obviously. And so the trope itself is, you know, it's used all the time where someone's loved one uh, dies, and you know, but it's 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 doing this especially with women uh, in you know killing him off in, in horrific ways to give motivation to the male um, lead character. Now here they flip-flopped it, but this is why I can't believe they actually put him in a refrigerator because the trope exists in our world and they're not just creating a horrific moment in the show, they are referencing a trope they are, purposefully referencing a trope and to me when you do that with a moment that's meant to be an emotionally uh explosive if not exploitive moment um it takes away from from the fiction and it becomes metafiction and and that's why i was like i can't believe they did this because this is a controversial thing you know and and if they're just doing it to say hey we flipped the trope so it's not the man who's finding the the woman. It's the woman who's finding the man. Uh, if this was a different kind of story, I think I'd be a lot more accepting of it. But, you know, you bring the meta stuff into storytelling and suddenly you're changing your story. I, I just I don't know. I just didn't like it. I, that's-
3: yeah. And this is it's just it was very cheaply done for a very rich series And they've already done this essentially earlier this season with uh, Mandy's mother's boyfriend, the lawyer. Mm -hmm. But the difference is we got to know that lawyer and we got to see that he's a very deep person. He's married, but he's having this affair because the marriage is not working out, but he doesn't want to break up the marriage. And he's very torn. And, you know, we get to see that he's a there's a depth and a kindness to him. Uh, where, you know, lawyers who cheat are, are you know, you could stereotype him into being mm-hmm. a really terrible character, and you find out, no, he's got this huge heart, and he's in for lost causes. That was well done, uh, even though he's only in for two episodes. This just felt cheap.
0: Well, to me, it didn't feel cheap to me, other than that they used the refrigerator. Like, I wish it had been
3: anything else we don't even get to know officer fugues we don't know anything about him beyond that he's sleeping with o'reilly
0: oh but they have their conversations and they talk about things that they like and and they about talk shop and, the case and, uh, and about
3: her and waffles we know nothing about him nothing i
0: don't think he's a completely useless character i don't think he's a, a particularly uh, shallow character i just i hate the fact that they used the trope naming thing yeah let's let's put it this way in a show that was purposefully shedding light on things like that you know, like a deadpool right let's go there deadpool yeah. makes fun of these things and so to do it in deadpool it makes sense if you were doing it in a a situation like a watchman situation which is a deconstruction of superhero tropes uh it would work in that. This is not a deconstruction. This is not a parody. This is not a satire. This is not a show that's making a comment about superhero storytelling tropes. This is a really well-made, well-shot, well-written show about characters. And so then to, to take this and turn it on its head and say, well, we're actually going to make it a satire or we're going to use it to make a statement uh, about superhero stories it just feels that's what feels cheap to me so i think we're both coming to the cheapness from a different angle is what, what it comes yeah. down to
3: <laughs> yeah well it's just that you know the girlfriends of the heroes i mean sometimes they are or just any girlfriend in any uh, almost any genre every once in a while you will find the girlfriend who doesn't have a personality and here we have is oh, an a lot officer, yeah, yeah. Police officer yeah who doesn't really have his own personality. I mean, I can see that the actor who, who was portraying him is trying to put something into it that he is. I mean, a, he he's not too, he's in his head, the actor's head. He's trying to make him something two dimensional, even though he has nothing really much to yeah. go on.
0: He clearly, but he, yeah.
3: I it's mean, just, in, I mean, the, the point of the me too era and, you know, trying to equalize, I mean, what a lot of people don't understand is, it's not about making women better than men. It's just equalizing the playing field. And this is not equalizing the playing field. It's belittling the male sex. And it's just, uh, I don't like it. No.
0: Well, I, and I wouldn't go that far because I, I do feel like the trope itself works because it's a very easy and cheap way to get to an emotional, uh, connection. You know, if, if, your significant other dies. Yeah, that's going to push you to do stuff, right? And and so I can understand that. And what happens, like you said, though, uh, you have two different variations on that theme in this show itself, the lawyer and this guy. And the way the lawyer happened, it was meaningful. And with this guy, the way it happened, it was um, – I don't know. Maybe it will be more meaningful once we get into some of the – backstory behind how it happened and who did it but um Mm. yeah i i wouldn't go so far as to say it's demeaning to to males um because this is going to push o'reilly she already wanted to get connor's they got him and now she has someone else to deal with like who is the person that did this is it related to connor's is it related to connor's uncle you know is it kingpin who's behind this you know um she's going to want to find out and it's giving her motivation. And I think it's an understandable storytelling trope to use. I think it's been used since Hercules, Uh, you know, it's just, it's, um, but I just, I wish they wouldn't have used the refrigerator itself. That's, that's where I, where I land on that. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. It's just, I wish they had developed Fuchs a little bit better. And I, I mean, honestly, I think it's even in the name Fuchs, which, which, fuchs, which honestly sounds like a curse word. Um, and looks like
0: one even more than it sounds like uh, one. Yeah, and it And it does. what's the first and thing we see them doing? You yeah. Know? And, and and so from the beginning, I didn't like, you know, it was clear, okay, this is what this guy is. Um, you know, he's he's her boyfriend. You know, that's, that's who he is from the beginning. I mean, that's his identity. Yeah. And that's, again— If they were making a comment on how so many female characters are their sole identity is the girlfriend of that superhero, you know, that'd be one thing, but it would fit better in another story. It just. Yeah. Yeah. I think we I I think we agree without agreeing on the same on the we, we get to the same destination. We just take different roads to get there, I think, is what we've got going on here.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that what they should have not done – well, what they should have done is given him a personality and given him more to do and not killed him with a refrigerator. So there we go.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's move on to some feedback. And um, <laughs> first of all, uh, we've lost Stuart. Uh, you may have noticed that he has been very, very quiet during this conversation. It's not because he doesn't have anything to add. It's because, well – we we were talking about audio problems and so we're going to see if we can get them back for the post credit, but for right now I'm going to read a couple of, of emails and I have one voicemail to play. So uh, email one is, um, Oh, this one, uh, this has spoilers for infinity war. So I'm, I'm just going to say that out right now, but Ant-Man and the wasp kind of broke our, our moratorium on, on infinity war spoilers. So, uh, subject is cloak and dagger. Uh, this is from agent LH. And Agent LH says, I have a theory about what Chantel said in episode six. Spoilers for Infinity War incoming. She said that in the end, one of the divine pairing will die. So what if on the last episode, Cloak and Dagger or Cloak or Dagger almost dies, but is saved by Dagger or Cloak in the end? And then they start talking about how they broke Chantel's prophecy. And then one of them turns to dust. This even works if it isn't Dagger, who is the other part of the pair. Your thoughts? And uh, uh, my thought is, I don't think it'll get quite that far in the story. I, I don't think that that the end of this season will t- will go right up to the the snap. That's that's my thought. But it would be interesting to see, you know, cloak and dagger together, and then one of them goes away uh, in, the, in the snap.
3: Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But I think some another listener connect. Uh, figured out this quote-unquote present day is taking place and he he or she figured it out figured out that it would it took place in 2016 so two years ago
0: yeah yeah. yeah and i don't know how how accurate that is as far as how things yeah uh really are in the mcu but
3: yeah i have to go back and listen but the the one that figured the, all this out, I am so sorry, I don't remember your name, but the listener who figured all this out um, noticed that they've somewhere along the lines that it was written down that the events in the past where the explosion happened, that took place in 2008. Yeah. And then we're talking about things happening eight, year, eight years later, so this has to be 2016 in the story.
0: Yeah. All right. Agent Shannon writes in, and the subject line is, the cloak is on. Hi, Ben and crew. Just a quick one to say, what a show and what an episode. I had a lounge full who went from a universal yes when the cloak went on to a sad groan when the fridge was opened. Still loving the slow build now with powers and the budding relationship between the two main characters. My girls thought it was a nice touch to have Aubrey sing the song that closed off the episode. It rounded out the episode well. And I is that the actor who plays cloak saying the song? This is me now coming in. Uh, wow. I, uh,
3: I don't know. Uh, Let me look.
0: Uh, PS, I just finished reading all the comics and I like how the show has used their powers manifesting through their proximity to each other, keeping in with how their powers were supposed to manifest in the comics. If outside forces didn't try and influence their powers, found it a little weird how cloak and daggers powers were supposed to be reversed as Ty's dagger costume was one to forget. And, uh, yeah, that actually happens in the comics. She becomes Cloak, he becomes Dagger, and it doesn't look great. (laughs) So, uh, PPS, as a responsible father, I have followed Ben's lead in reciting Spider-Man's final words to Iron Man to my kids to incite a reaction. Hashtag Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Does it feel weird to talk about Infinity War? All right, Cloak and Dagger 1.8 feedback from Agent 084. Message, where to start with this episode? Poor went out for officer fuchs i spent the whole episode trying to figure out if he was going to be a good guy or a traitor but in the end i can't deny how cold-blooded the guy was q crickets while i sit in the corner and think about what i've done here's my actual thoughts this was a great ride start to finish our two super babies are all grown up and terrorizing the old men who ruined their lives and i'm here for it There's a couple of logistical questions I had about each of their arcs, like whether or not Tyrone was caught on video disappearing and reappearing. And if he has to sign the Sokovia Accords now, although if online theories I agree with are correct, this should take place right before civil war. Also, I don't know what's stopping Scarborough from sending cops or water delivery ladies to Tandy's house. She held a knife to his throat and threatened him. So is it guilt keeping him at bay or something more? Ivan is still on death watch for me again I don't see how Roxanne has been built up as this corrupt ruthless corporation and then have them leave loose threads all over don't get me wrong it's fun when our heroes get stupid bad guys but hey if I was an evil corporation I would do things differently that's all I'm saying the Misty name drop is huge and I don't usually watch the next time on clips but I hear blank and blank get name drop that was me Um. Uh. Uh, censoring (laughs) this uh, in the same sentence. So that's gratifying. And look, characters from other properties and studios get mentioned and the whole universe didn't fall apart for all the things the show has given us. That's gotta be up there. Just enough continuity to give us faith that it's really all connected is all we want. When Ty and Tandy touched their mom's hand or touch her mom's hands and they went into her mind on accident, I had zero idea what they were in for, but that wasn't it. That was a little tough to watch and also a pretty good portrait of how kids view deceased parents. Think of think of, spoiler-censored in season spoiler-censored, listening to how her spoiler-censored wasn't as spoiler-censored as spoiler-censored remembered. And then he writes, try to make that as spoil- non-spoiler as possible. Um, well, 808-4. I made it even more non-spoiler. <laughs> I, <What? laughs> I I added in the spoiler censored. So um, I think her turn at the end was a little quick, and I'm sure it's something her and Tyrone are going to argue about next week. That that plus her taking his mom's ID. I wonder if Scarborough can trace that back to her and get her fired because, yeah, that could drive a big wedge between the heroes. The ID theft was definitely this week's damn it, dandy moment. Um, have a great week, you guys agent 084 so that's agent 084 but we have one more piece of feedback and that is a voicemail just need to get to it all right and so we do have some spoilers for ant-man in this as i play it now
1: hello agents agent john wilkerson here calling in for two things number one a little report On Punisher Season 2, they were filming scenes in Albany, New York, which is very close to where I work. And unfortunately, last week I was unable to actually like snoop on the set, but I did get some reports. And one of the reports was that they dropped an ambulance off an overpass. So there's that for uh, Punisher 2 spoilerage there. I guess that's not really a spoiler. There's stuff blowing up and getting dropped all the time in uh, Punisher. So, if anyone's interested, you know, there's that. Also, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I watched it last night, and I have two really... I mean, these are these questions have to be answered. Number one, where do you get makeup in the quantum realm? And number two... Why doesn't all the stuff in the building, when it's shrunk and then it's being tossed around and jostled around, get broken into tiny little bits? Like you said, you got kind of to have the suspense of disbelief. There's some inconsistency in the way science is applied here. But you know what? It was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. This was one. I decided going into this one that I was just going to go in and think the best of it. And it it really, I think it delivered. It delivered as a fun family action film. And as far as the cleanest movie, I would actually vote for Black Panther. I thought Black Panther, despite some of the violence that was in it, was actually a more family-friendly film because Black Panther never uses profanity. He's the first, besides Captain America, and even Captain America has used some light profanity, but T'Challa never uses profanity in Black Panther, and I really uh, enjoyed that. Anyway, agents, keep up the great work. This is John Wilkerson signing out.
0: Uh, okay, so I'm not going to be able to answer those questions, but I will give a little pushback on Black Panther being more family-friendly than Ant-Man. And that's just because of they actually show like bladed weapons enter people's body. Uh, in in Black Panther. And so that just, that just put it a little bit over um, for me for like younger kids. That's all.
3: Yeah. Um, And uh, where does Hope's mother get that makeup in the quantum universe? (laughs) Um, The same, she got it from the same place where the background music comes from. Yeah. (laughs) You can actually make uh, makeup. So, but yeah, I mean, if I was in her situation, I wouldn't even put any effort into it, but, yeah, I think she got it from the same place where where we get the background music <laughs> as in it's a movie,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she got it she got it from the uh the makeup department, yeah, uh just offset, so
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's everything for this episode then. And we're going to do one quick conversation after the credits about some possible spoilers for season two of uh, Cloak and Dagger as far as some villainous possibilities. Um, Until then, any final words, uh, Samantha? Uh,
3: Yes. Let's give a big shout out and thank you to our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Trent, and Tassel. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, thank you very much. And um, Samantha, you know one of the rules in Incredibles that keeps get brought up keeps getting brought up is uh, no capes, right? And See. you know, but but what about cloaks? You know, I mean, there, there's a big difference, and we learned that difference in this episode. But it's the big difference they did they didn't explore it enough. I mean, this is I want a cloak now. I, I don't want a cape. I want a cloak. And do you know why I want a cloak? I want a cloak because a cape is just an add-on to a shirt, but a cloak
1: it hugs you.
0: Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to 7com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five 55 Level 7. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash welcome to level 7, or by following us on Twitter where we are Level 7 Pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.m. Alright, and Stuart's back. Yay! Yay! Okay, so um, Stuart, you're back for potential spoilers. I don't know if these will be actual spoilers or not, but here are three things that have come up in the last week about possible villains or if not villains, anti-heroes for season two. Okay? And they're related to the okay. comics, but they're also related to what we've got here. I wasn't going to add this one in Um, and rats. I I probably should have checked Facebook because uh, we had a, a listener on Facebook. Oh yeah. Well, this is going to get edited out. So let me do that real quick. Oh, it's not there on Facebook. Rats. Oh, nope. Here it is. It's Dylan, agent Dylan,
2: agent Dylan.
0: No, it's not,
2: not agent. Dylan. No, it
0: is Agent Dylan. It is. Okay. Agent
2: Dylan. Okay. Always good for good right. emails.
0: So first, I mean this would be just a normal kind of just interesting trivia, and that is Nathan in the comics, Tandy's father in the comics, is a cult leader called the Lord of Light, who actually has some light powers. Okay. That sounds very similar mm. to
2: uh, Runaways Lady.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. But the reason I would bring it up is up until this point, I thought they're not going that direction with her dad, that he wasn't anything that he wasn't a good guy, you know, and yet this episode kind of says, no, they are going to bring out some badness in him. So I wonder and people have talked about, you know, I think, Samantha, you might even wondered about, you know, does her dad have light powers? Is that something? And um, in the comics? Yeah. Uh, that's a part of it, but that's not where she got her powers from necessarily, um, at least as I remember it. I haven't read all of the Cloak & Dagger comics. I'm, I'm filling up my collection now to finish up. I got some holes in volume two, uh, the, the second Cloak & Dagger series after their miniseries. So I can't read that series um, right now. I want to finish you know, collecting it before I sit down to read it. So anyway, Tandy's dad, he's a bad guy. And in this series, he's not bad. Okay, Marvel itself teased season two of Clo- Cloak and Dagger has been announced. It is happening, and they teased a. They said it will be Mayhem, and then there's these claw marks that go across the screen in in their tease. Mayhem in the comics is a villain who has toxic. Things in her where she will like she can cut your skin with her nails and then um this toxic fumes will go in and you it's, it's bad. It's bad. And actually, I think it makes people tell the truth or something like that. She has a green tone to her skin and she's a primary character in the Cloak and Dagger series. Do you know why she's a primary character in the Cloak and Dagger series? She was actually in their first issue, not the first appearance, but in their first issue of their miniseries because Mayhem is – Bridget
2: O'Reilly. He- oh,
3: it's who?
0: Bridget O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, and so Bridget O'Reilly is a is
2: a character from the comics.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what excited me when when the first episode is like, oh, they're actually using. They have the the priest from the comics. They have the police officer from the comics, and then they have you know obviously cloak and dagger. Um, but she actually becomes a super powered kind of. Character that ends up working with them sometimes is antagonistic toward them, but um, yeah, so that's so the other mayhem. character
2: I could see do that. I mean, yes, it would be great if it was her, but the MCU has a way of MCUing things. Um, I could see Mina Hess being very because she's very um biological and she's she's into plants and all that sort of stuff. I could see and her she works there. in
3: a swamp where there's toxic chemicals and
0: monsters swamp and
3: monsters not that
0: we've seen yeah. <laughs> any okay cuz that brings us to the last one remember in episode okay. 6 when the one guy had the fear um of the the monster that's kind of walking toward him, and and the people are the, there's a the little kids doing the rhyme in the background. It's very reminiscent of like uh, I brought up the idea of you know, how it's reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's one, two, he's coming for you. Oh, a
3: tisket a tasket. Yeah, so
0: they're singing a tisket yeah. a tasket, and we uh, geeked out a little bit. How about how there's a sequel to that song, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. um But and 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 i was looking at it like there's a monster is it a swamp monster could it be that we're seeing man thing uh the producers have gone on record as far as what that character is that character is not man thing that character is another primary villain for cloak and dagger a character named mr jip who is um he's a big antagonist in the Cloak and Dagger series. Almost all of his appearances are exclusively in the Cloak and Dagger series. And he is related to uh, the darkness that, um, that comes from, from Cloak's power. But uh, that's, was an intentional tease to have basically Cloak and Dagger's Joker. That's Cloak and Dagger's (laughs) Lex Luthor. That's Cloak (laughs) and Dagger's green, uh, not green, uh, green goblin. That's Cloak and Dagger's primary, uh, red skull. Yeah, that's that's their primary arch nemesis who has I, a, appeared in I, as a fear in someone's, uh, fear vision.
2: So, so that hmm, hmm. I wonder if Auntie's, uh, vision of the man draped in black. Yeah. That looks like Tyrone, but what if they're going to MCU Mr. Jip a little
0: bit to sort of be looking like Tyrone? Is it's possible? I, I don't, th- it's possible. I, I don't know because I mean, well, yeah. Mr. Jip has a <laughs> magic in his background. He's related. His, his, his backstory is related to Dr. Strange. And, uh, part of his backstory is actually going to where, you know, and, and being, a. um, uh a student uh of the of the ancient one um yeah of of the ancient one i mean there there's so there's tie in there there's tie in in some other places with mr jip but um you know he has powers there's magic powers involved so yeah so those are possibilities for season 2 but i didn't want to talk about them um without you know with a spoiler disclaimer so if you're still with us take it for what it's worth there's no specifics. There's no secret knowledge other than they do say that that character is meant to be Mr. Jip for possible use in season two. Mayhem is teased for season two. It will be mayhem, which I wonder if we're going to see her as mayhem before the end of this season. And then Tandy's dad was a super villain.
3: Just wish well, we did not do the fridge thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it makes me wonder
2: if, the so in the last episode they talked about the the humans getting infected with the terror and he calls them the terrors and we saw you know Mr Flame and and the Axeman and all that sort of stuff so it makes me wonder if while you know because Candy and Tyrone's story is pretty small right it's not it's mm-hmm. not super expansive um, it Yet. makes you wonder if there's right so with this incident of randomly Fuchs getting put into the fridge i wonder if that's like the introduction of the big bad that they're gonna
0: sort of have to deal with in season two it might be and and i wonder because i wondered if those terrors that that uh um, hess was talking about if they were just in his imagination
1: you know right
2: but so initially i thought they were just in 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 his imagination what i'm saying though is i wonder if some of the explosion bad juju stuff got out i mean
0: new orleans or if it's gonna get out again yeah right so okay we we gotta we we gotta close this down because i have things to do with my kids but uh i thank you everyone for listening thanks samantha thanks Stuart.
3: thank you see you later Bye.
0: Peace out later. Bye and Godspeed.